0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to I Know That Face Redux, a special version of the I Know That Face podcast exclusively for Head Stuff Plus subscribers. I'm Stephen Porzio. My name is Andrew Carroll. And today we are launching a very special new format, something that has been much discussed and in the works for a long time. It's uh, Stars for Rent. And Andrew, you originated this idea. Um, can you
0: tell us what it is and um, maybe a bit of your thinking behind it? Yeah, um, I don't know what my thinking behind it was. I know that it was I, I, I had come up with a good name and um, I was just curious as to why stars like leading men and women like Ethan Hawke or say Idris Elba or Samuel L. Jackson or um weirder ones like Jennifer Garner um or Denzel Washington would end up doing kind of uh these films that you'd catch on like um action movies now you know that channel on like your tv or whatever um and like as a case of like you know we've all we've all been in a a tough position every now and again you know but it's different for leading men and women who are mostly all quite wealthy and famous so it's like you know was did they need a new pool for the house did um, did that extension need to come in is there there massive massive gambling debts involved so I was just curious as to why they pick some a genre that's often seen as kind of lowbrow and Many people would say beneath them, um, and often those films end up being more work physically, um, more so than maybe more so than emotionally. Sometimes, although I think that can balance it out, um, considering a lot of these stories involve people, um, you know, uh, taking revenge on the gangsters that killed their wife or child, or rescuing a kidnapped son or daughter. And um, so, I guess I was just curious as to like, did they think this was going to be easy when they um, start when they started <laughs> doing it? Only to find out that they would be being thrown out of buildings and hit by cars and shot at. So I just I, I think it's an interesting, often neglected area of cinema.
1: Mm, no, it's true, and obviously there's the. Um famous quote about michael Caine, where they asked him have they see has he seen jaws 4 and he said no but i've seen the house it paid for and it's lovely um, yeah. but i but i even think these are more specific i i kind of wrote down a little bit of a blueprint for the ideal stars for rent movie based on sort of what you were saying so see if you agree with me with this now i don't think a stars for rent movie needs to have all of these qualities but i think it should have most of them mm-hmm. all right so the movie should be an action thriller that feels a little bit beneath its star who is not typically in action flicks and when I when I say beneath that doesn't necessarily mean in terms of quality but ideally like the actor is a big star that has appeared in like blockbusters or Oscar nominated or winning movies while a stars for right movie is like less big or prestigious but the actor agrees to do it and this is the second point I think the reason why a lot of these people do this is because they want their own taken because hmm. I think I think taken to me is like ground zero for Star's Friend. Because you have Liam Neeson, he's played Michael Collins, Oscar Schindler, Rob Roy. He agrees to do this very straightforward action thriller about like a retired CIA man whose daughter is kidnapped while travelling and he has to use a special set of skills to save her it not only makes its budget back eight times over at the box office, it's a huge DVD movie it catapults Neeson to a new level of fame, introduces him to this whole new audience and basically reinvigorates his career Like he becomes like a straight up A-lister action hero, which he basically still is now Like, mm, yeah. I, f- I found a few of his like recent taken S offerings a little rough but I can't wait for that new movie Retribution, where the trailer is him just going like, "There's a bomb in my car, and it will go off if I get out." <laughs> um, so I think every stars for rent actor is looking for their Taken, and it also it should be said that EuropaCorp, which was co-founded by Luke Besson, uh, who produced Taken, have produced some major stars for rent movies. I'd say like mm. Columbiana with Zoe Saldana, Lockout with Guy Pearce, and Three Days to Kill with Kevin Costner, which I, I would I would all classify as stars for rent. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um I would also say the vast majority of stars for rent contenders I compiled are mostly built around one star they're 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 not really ensemble or buddy movies
0: yeah very they much have
1: so. one one lead actor who might be surrounded by some acting heavyweights but for the most part it's like one person's face on the cover and they're usually holding a gun or there's some other gun accoutrement as part of the yeah, poster yeah. Um, this is a little bit more of a grayer, but I would, I would say for the most part, these movies don't have much of a signature director style or auteur sensibility. Like Christopher Nolan, David Fincher, Catherine Biglow, people of that caliber aren't being hired to make these. Maybe. Yeah. They cost too much to hire. Maybe they're not just drawn to it. Maybe the producers or stars would rather hire someone less well regarded who they can control. But most of these films are made by international directors trying to make it in Hollywood, people who may have worked in other areas of filmmaking and want to give directing a shot, or people that I would call kind of journeymen. And I I don't mean that as a slight, like some of these people have made great work, like Roger Donaldson, Philip Noyce, (laughs) McGee. But. they're they're maybe not as consistent in terms of quality as people you might dub auteurs and they might not have the unique identifiable style that you would associate with an auteur. Only exceptions to this I can think of. Christopher McQuarrie directed the Tom Cruise motion picture Jack Reacher and Anton Fuqua uh, made the Denzel Washington led Equalizer. I would call them auteurs and those stars for Rent movies but they are also the best stars for Rent movies. So you can tell they're literally elevating the concept with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd also like to highlight The American... The, the George Clooney as a hitman in Italy movie which has all the elements of being a stars Trek movie except it was made by the the quite good director Anton Corbine mm. who told the story in this very meditative realistic style that was still very emotional and tense but it was more like a Jan Pierre Melville movie like less focused on action than character and I love the American for that but like it got like a D minus cinema score because casual cinema goers were like where's the shootouts man yeah. Yeah. Um, so that can also be the problem of hiring an auteur to make a stars for movie maybe their tastes don't necessarily lie with producer or audience expectations, um, so that's that's I think that's kind of the bible for stars for Ant. Anything else you'd like to add, or you you think I missed out on? No, I think you've got it pretty solidly there. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so the first one we're going to talk about is Twenty Four Hours to Live, mm. uh, starring Ethan Hawke. Um, solid, kind of odd movie. Um, before we get yeah. into it, I
0: want um, what are your thoughts on Ethan Hawke in general? Do do you like him? I do like him. Yeah. Um, now I will. Um, add to that just as like I love First Reformed that's my favourite of his movies but I, gen- I generally wouldn't seek out an Ethan Hawke movie at the cinema interesting okay yeah. um, like I've seen um, I haven't seen Dead Poets Society I've seen Hamlet um, and um, I've seen the first before movie before Sunrise I think it is um, I've seen Sinister and um, and that's about it. That's about... That's where my Ethan Hawke expertise sort of begins and ends. Um, Interesting, okay. Yeah, he's... Um, I like him as an actor. I think he's very good. Um, but he, for whatever reason, wouldn't be one of my favourites. Yeah, he's kind of one of mine. Uh, I never really
1: thought about it. Then I was thinking about Ethan Hawke. I'm like, man, he kind of is everything I want in a person. In that, I think he's got very good taste in terms of what projects he takes on and the people he works with. I admire... That he's this sort of truly creative person and that like he writes and directs movies and TV too as well as acting them. He makes documentaries, he's written novels. Um I thought the historical drama western show, The Good Lord Bird, which he co-created and starred in, was really great.
0: Mm, and was heard sad, and really, yeah.
1: really underseen. Um I like that he's kind of a strong advocate for cinema too. Um he's been, just been in a lot of movies that are quite important to me I've, to my shame I've actually weirdly never seen the before Sunset Trilogy it seems like something I'd be really into I, I don't know why I haven't but um, he is in a number of movies that are very important to me like uh, I love Gattaca I love Before the Devil Knows You're Dead the final mm. Sidney Lumet film um, Boyhood I think is amazing uh, Predestination which I think is one of the like best um, hidden gem sci-fi movies of the last couple of years First Reform's amazing um, he also had that small but key role at the top of the Northman recently um and also just does a lot of cool genre movies like um Training Day The Purge Sinister The Black Phone Daybreakers oh yeah um, Daybreakers is fun Brooklyn's Finest which is he does with Fuqua a couple years later after Training Day where he basically plays the Denzel Washington part Mm. which is kind of cool um Good Kill, I think, is an underrated movie. Uh, the lovely rom-com Maggie's Plan with a uh, woman of the moment, Greta Gerwig, is a great yeah, movie. Yeah, I was looking at that with Peter Page today. Um, and I think he's been around forever... And, like, he was a teen actor when he was in, like, Dead Poet Society and, like, White Fang. And back then, I think he had a very cute and soft vibe. But he's aged since then. Like, he's rocking the stubble. And he's got the, the flecks of grey in his hair lately. He's got more lines in his face. I feel like his voice has gone a bit deeper, too. And I think all of that has given him more heft and presence and weight as an actor. Mm. And I, I I just think the longer he's worked, the more skilled and versatile he's become. And yeah, also, he's I Maya, yeah. Maya Hawke's daddy, which is cool. That's very true, yeah. yeah. I love her so
0: 24 hours to live do you you have the plot for this I forgot to ask great Travis Conrad played by Ethan Hawke is a former marine turned assassin mourning the death of his wife and son a year previously on their anniversary he is approached by his handler Jim played by Peaky Blinders Paul Anderson and asked to eliminate a witness to war crimes under Interpol's protection in South Africa Travis agrees, but is killed after coming into conflict with Interpol agent Lynn Bissett, played by Zhu King. He is resurrected by his company, Red Mountain, and escapes, intent on doing right for once by bringing his former employer to justice, even though he only has 24 hours to live. My name is Travis Conrad. I gave my entire life to the agency. Until they betrayed me. They took my family. They took my future. They wouldn't even let me die in peace. What's happening to me? You're gonna die again. How long do I have? You have less than 24 hours to live. Mr. Conrad finish one last job and you'll live to see tomorrow. You have no idea what you've done. I'm going to come at you with everything I've got. Yeah, so it's a weird film, right? It is very weird. Yeah, it's, but very it's kind strange.
1: of not weird enough in that mm. it's...
0: Yeah, it leaves the whole 24 hours to live experimental resurrection procedure completely unexplained. There was, there was probably a bit more material in there about why they did it. And, you know, the the human cost of um, them doing it yeah, is what he's trying to write after he comes back from the dead. And it's very odd.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like they took a sci-fi story that was more high concept and they sort of shoved it into the kind of Stars for Rent locker where it's like, oh, it does have Ethan Hawke and a gun. We're going to stress that over everything. Whereas like, yeah. I actually would like to get an insight into the human experimentation who the company Ethan Hawke works for what their end goal is with the experimentation Um, all that's very brushed
0: over yeah I was watching it the whole time and I was like had this been made in like Korea or China um, and maybe it was just because Zhu King is in it but I was like this would have made like 200 million won at the box office and won like several awards at like the Blue Dragon Film Festival or something like that it just would Do have been a really like, much better, much meaner and much better made action film uh, in Korea. And I like this movie you know, well enough, but I, I know that it was a missed opportunity that some, some um, Korean screenwriter was probably kicking themselves that they hadn't come up with this. It's
1: funny you said that because the movie it reminded me a lot of was Manhunt, the uh, John Woo movie, which we
0: talked about mm. in our June yeah, yeah, episode. Yeah. Not that, stupid I- enough. Not is stupid that,
1: enough. Yeah, it's about, like, science, um, scientific experiments and there's, like, a conspiracy plot. But the movie also isn't really about that stuff, which is really interesting. And it also has, like, a um, villainous boss character who just the minute you showed up, you're like, bad man, don't yeah, like the, him. The twirly moustache, yeah. In this one, it's Liam Cunningham mm. and uh, Paul Anderson. Paul Anderson, every time I see him in something that isn't Peaky Blinders, it, it, it just, he just... I know he's a very transformative actor like he always plays like he's like the geek in Nightmare Alley <laughs> the Cameron D'altore movie we don't really see him properly he's in Peaky Blinders where he has the beard and he's like alright I'm Arthur Shelby and when he's not looking like that where he just talks normally I'm like ah feels like you need a beard man or something or you mm. need to be doing the, the Arthur Shelby voice good actor though mm. but um yeah, but Liam Cunningham, a um, very bland character in this. Very um... and also just
0: not in it that much. It feels like he's part of the scenery, and he's the least interesting part of the scenery because he's just surrounded by all this obvious like CGI screens. Like he's in a, an iron, a lab in Iron Man or something. Mm, yes,
1: I will say though, I thought Ethan Hawke was very solid in this movie. Yeah, Th- is me that too. a weird yeah. thing to say? Yeah, because like for one, like I think you totally buy him as this super assassin, like. The way he carries himself in action scenes. I thought the best scene in the movie was early on when his character, Travis Conrad, um, is in the bar and he realises he's being tailed. So he walks towards the toilets but goes into the women's. But the people tailing him go into the men's, assuming he went in there. Mm. And he locks them in. And while they're shouting to be let out, he concocts this, like, homemade smoke grenade out of all like the cleaning products left in a closet near the, the bar um in the bar near the toilets and he opens the door for the men's pretending to be a real apologetic, being like, Oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry about that but then he just throws the smoke grenade into the toilets and locks the door again. <laughs> and it's it's all done in like this warner or like a, a bunch of long takes and it really does feel like it's second nature to this character to be able to do all this and like use all his like resources to his advantages like I I, you immediately buy him as you know being a bit tasty in a fight you know Yeah, yeah um and i i also think it, he makes it believable that his character has not just got the muscle but also the smarts to get what he wants because like he's assigned to steal this information off this uh female interpol agent and killer but he needs to track her down so he goes to her apartment and she's not there but her mother and her son is and he tells him he's an old college friend and they're a bit suspicious of him but he makes the family feel just comfortable enough with him by bonding with the kid who's into marvel that they reveal where the interpol agent is and Then he meets the Interpol agent in an airport bar and manages... This bit kind of confused me. Like, it's true the agency, but does he trick
0: her into thinking her flight is cancelled or does he actually cancel her flight? I'm not entirely sure. From what I remember, I think he actually cancels it. That's pretty big for... Mm. uh, Michael O'Leary, that wouldn't be happening on his watch, (laughs) you know what I mean? But, um...
1: He's like, oh, this airport food's terrible. Want to go to a real restaurant? Where he and then they go to the restaurant. and He ends up seducing her, and he's like charming and slick enough that you buy it, mm. which is I think is sort of the benefit of getting like an actor of his dramatic caliber in this role, as opposed to someone like Sylvester Stallone or Vin Diesel, where I feel like their skills lie more in the
0: action-seppy stuff than the the talking intrigue stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm just not really sure why they needed that sci-fi doohickey gimmick at all. They could have just done a crank and filled them full of poison, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a
1: big one, and it's very heavy because it's all about like African villages being used as human guinea pigs. Yeah. And but then also they're not really characters in the movie that much. Like yeah. there's the part in the movie where he kind of he goes to visit an old friend, and they they end up doing this sort of rebellion against was it Red Mountain mm. him and the 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 the, the people of um, the village that were impacted but um, it's
0: just one set piece. Yeah. doesn't really feel like, um, I don't know, fully satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's like, I think if you didn't know anything, and I mean anything about this movie going into it, then Travis dying half an hour into the film would come as a real shock and make the last hour of the film more propulsive. But if you take a step back and look, you'd see that it's really just no different from any other action film with a time limit, like Crank or... um,
1: Yeah.
0: Um... I don't know maybe there's an, another one called 24 Hours to Die I can't think of any other examples right now <laughs> yeah Crank Kate um, is oh, yeah. there one called Kate, yeah. Jolt
1: is that one with Kate Beckinsale I feel like that's similar I've, it's like a prime video action movie maybe I think yeah. um, I was also kind of impressed at how much of a bad dude Hawks character Travis is at the start of the movie cause, while also being the lead character because he's having this banter with this Interpol agent woman's kid but he's also planning to kill that kid's mother <laughs> yeah. while it's happening and we see these pretty well done and like nightmarish flashback scenes when like Travis's life is flashing before his eyes that like Travis has killed loads of people Mm. in the past and I think even though he decides in the spur of the moment not to kill this Interpol agent much to his own detriment Mm. we literally see him like thinking about it and like how he would do it Um, but I think Hawk also makes us buy how I think because of the extraordinary circumstances his character is put under and also this like recent tragedy in his past and the way he's haunted by what he's done in his job and how he put his job over his family—that he does this complete one eighty and becomes this force for good—and um, I think you kind of buy it, yeah, 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 yeah. Do, what did you think of the action stuff in this movie?
0: I thought it was mostly pretty good. Um, I thought it was solid. I enjoyed it when they were being chased or people were being blown away by sniper by a sniper um, or the gunfights or whatever. I thought it was pretty well put together and competent. Um, now, I don't think there was anything super extraordinary. Uh, going on but um, it's no John Wick but it's also no Taken 2 you know
1: yeah it's true I thought that there was a um as much as guns terrify me in real life, I'm always... Um, I love movies where people get shot and they kind of fly back a little. Mm. Like, it's just always a visual, I think, or like they fly back and like hit a window. Yeah. Plane recently, the Jared Butler movie, had great shootouts for that reason. Um, obviously, you think of Heat, you know, or like Black Hat, like the Michael Mann. Um, he, I think he's the king of this. Um, I mentioned Manhunt. The whole time I was getting kind of John Woo vibes, I really liked the bit where, um, the Interpol agent lady has Ethan Hawke, um, at gunpoint, and he's, like, putting his hand up, and then a car goes by, and then he immediately, like, drops into a roll and, like, takes a shot, and all that stuff kind of reminded me of John Woo, and it turned out that, like, the director of this movie, Brian Schmerz, um, he has worked with John Woo a bunch, and also Tom Cruise, and on multiple superhero films, so I think he, he knows how to, like, craft a pretty exciting action scene, and, um... Yeah, it gave me kind of John Woo vibes just because I thought the, 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 the blocking and the choreographing and then the sort of slow-mo and the gunplay, that whole thing with the fishes
0: yeah, yeah. towards
1: the end uh, um, reminded me kind of of the way John Woo uses doves. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because
0: um, yeah, Rutger Hauer is talking about fishes being able to see a man's soul at the start of the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's a, there's another waste waste in this film, film actually. Bad enough at to waste Liam Cunningham, but Rutger Hauer as well. He, at least he does get that kind of cool moment where he he drops the two people who set yeah, to kill him the beach yeah. bum with a shotgun segment
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it gave me it was reminding me of Hobo with a shotgun I was like that's a good movie mm. um but yeah I gave this three stars um which is kind of harsh for me because I'm a real gen- I'm a generous reviewer mm. but um I think my main issue with this movie would be that um You know, I want to see a glimpse of the scientists performing these human tests. I want to know more about Red Mountain, the Shadow Agency, running the test. How much influence do they wield? What their end goal is of running these tests outside of resurrecting dead agents? And I think delving into those plot beats would be a lot more interesting than the standard shoot 'em up This basically is from the get-go, and I think there's a bit of a dissonance between those elements of the script which imply this more conspiratorial sci-fi thriller and the way they're folded into this action movie with Ethan Hawke as I mentioned holding a gun on the poster Mm -hmm. and um, I really think this might have been better presented as a sort of like 10 minute in the future sci-fi that prioritized mood over action maybe akin to something like Upgrade the the Lee Whannell movie which was made by Hawke's frequent production company Blumhouse or something like Predestination also starring Hawke or akin to something like um, Hawk's frequent directing collaborator Andrew Nichol would make like he made Gattaca and In Time mm. and Anon I can sort of see uh, as I delve more into it I could see kind of why Hawk might have been interested in both the sort of sci-fi element because he weirdly does a lot of sci-fi movies but then also um, him being like I should do an action I should do one action movie yeah. you know because he's also everyone in the, he's in, one and one where I do I do the punches in the fighting because he's in an action movie with Selena Gomez where he drives a car but this one is like it, that's I wouldn't call that Stars for Rent because yeah, yeah. it's like Selena Gomez and him but um yeah no a mixed bag but like
0: very <sighs> much a, so yeah
1: but a good Saturday night I'm I'm staying in I'll have two beers it flies by yeah, um, yeah. I was intermittently interested in it
0: yeah 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 very much over lit I thought could have used some moodier lighting yeah I, um, I agree yeah, although, no, but one I, thing I will say and I won't spoil it but the one really ballsy move the film makes is in its cruel joke of an ending for cutting straight to the credits, which are set to a really bad cover of Johnny Cash's "God's Gonna Cut You Down." Oh yes,
1: I, I, I um, I did quite like that Denouement I thought it was a, a very um, yeah, just to it's,
0: it's, offer, it's, offer someone a vision of paradise and then just
1: snatch it away. Because it's sort of in any other movie, it would be a happy ending. But mm. I like I like kind of happy endings that are actually sad, and vice versa. It's kind of. Um, a device I like an ironic device in movies that I quite like and I thought this one had a pretty good one it kind of you wish the movie behind it was a bit more uh, clever and wittier than it yeah the last yeah, moments. I, I think um, we, we call it there yeah sure email I know that facepod at gmail.com if you'd like to reach out to the show follow us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter please leave
0: us an iTunes rating if you'd be so kind uh, Andrew where can people find more of your work you can find me at the Edstead Stuff Gaming section where we talk about what we play why we play and how we play it and at as- FortniteFrights.com, where we talk about the most influential horror movies uh, every year, starting with 1920.
1: Great. Um, you can check me out at joe.e. See you later, Sunfaz. Bye bye.
0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious.